Chapter thirty seven of Tales of a Traveller by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Adventure of Sam the Black Fisherman. Part two. As he turned over in his thoughts all that he had been told of the singular adventure of the Black Fisherman, his imagination gave a totally different complexion to the tale. He saw in the gang of redcaps nothing but a crew of pirates burying their spoils, and his cupidity was once more awakened by the possibility of at length getting on the traces of some of this lurking wealth. Indeed, his infected fancy tinged everything with gold. He felt like the greedy inhabitant of Baghdad, when his eye had been greased with the magic ointment of the dervice that gave him to see all the treasures of the earth caskets of buried jewels chests of ingots bags of outlandish coins seemed to court him from their concealments and supplicate him to relieve them from their untimely graves on making private inquiries about the grounds said to be haunted by father redcap he was more and more confirmed in his surmise he learned that the place had several times been visited by experienced money-diggers, who had heard Mud Sam's story, though none of them had met with success. On the contrary, they had always been dogged with ill luck of some kind or other, in consequence, as Wolford concluded, of their not going to work at the proper time, and with the proper ceremonials. The last attempt had been made by Cobus Quackenbos, who dug for a whole night and met with incredible difficulty, for as fast as he threw one shovelful of earth out of the hole, two were thrown in by invisible hands. He succeeded so far, however, as to uncover an iron chest, when there was a terrible roaring and ramping and raging of uncouth figures about the hole, and at length a shower of blows, dealt by invisible cudgels, that fairly belabored him off the forbidden ground. This Cobus Quackenboss had declared on his deathbed, so that there could not be any doubt of it. He was a man that had devoted many years of his life to money digging, and it was thought would have ultimately succeeded had he not died suddenly of a brain fever in the almshouse. Wolfert Weber was now in a worry of trepidation and impatience, fearful lest some rival adventurer should get a scent of the buried gold. He determined privately to seek out the negro fisherman and get him to serve as guide to the place where he had witnessed the mysterious scene of interment. Sam was easily found, for he was one of those habitual beings that live about a neighborhood until they wear themselves a place in the public mind, and become, in a manner, public characters. There was not an unlucky urchin about the town that did not know Mud Sam the fisherman and think that he had a right to play his tricks upon the old negro. Sam was an amphibious kind of animal, something more of a fish than a man. He had led the life of an otter for more than half a century, about the shores of the bay and the fishing grounds of the sound. He passed the greater part of his time on and in the water, particularly about Hell Gate, and might have been taken in bad weather for one of the hobgoblins that used to haunt that strait. There would he be seen, at all times, and in all weathers, sometimes in his skiff, anchored among the eddies, or prowling like a shark about some wreck, where the fish are supposed to be most abundant. 
sometimes seated on a rock from hour to hour looming through mist and drizzle like a solitary heron watching for its prey he was well acquainted with every hole and corner of the sound from the wall about to hell gate and from hell gate even unto the devil's stepping stones and it was even affirmed that he knew all the fish in the river by their christian names wolfert found him at his cabin which was not much larger than a tolerable dog-house it was rudely constructed of fragments of wrecks and driftwood and built on the rocky shore at the foot of the old fort just about what at present forms the point of the battery a most ancient and fish-like smell pervaded the place oars paddles and fishing-rods were leaning against the wall of the fort a net was spread on the sands to dry a skiff was drawn up on the beach and at the door of his cabin lay mud sam himself indulging in a true negro's luxury sleeping in the sunshine many years had passed away since the time of sam's youthful adventure and the snows of many a winter had grizzled the knotty wool upon his head he perfectly recollected the circumstances however for he had often been called upon to relate them though in his version of the story he differed in many points from peachy praw as is not unfrequently the case with authentic historians as to the subsequent researches of money diggers sam knew nothing about them they were matters quite out of his line neither did the cautious wolfert care to disturb his thoughts on that point his only wish was to secure the old fisherman as a pilot to the spot and this was readily effected the long time that had intervened since his nocturnal adventure had effaced all sam's awe of the place and the promise of a trifling reward roused him at once from his sleep and his sunshine the tide was adverse to making the expedition by water and wolfert was too impatient to get to the land of promise to wait for its turning they set off therefore by land a walk of four or five miles brought them to the edge of a wood which at that time covered the greater part of the eastern side of the island it was just beyond the pleasant region of bloomendale here they struck into a long line straggling among trees and bushes very much overgrown with weeds and mullein stalks as if but seldom used and so completely overshadowed as to enjoy but a kind of twilight wild vines entangled the trees and flaunted in their faces brambles and briars caught their clothes as they passed the garter snake glided across their path the spotted toad hopped and waddled before them and the restless catbird mewed at them from every thicket had wolfert weber been deeply read in romantic legend he might have fancied himself entering upon forbidden enchanted ground or that these were some of the guardians set to keep a watch upon buried treasure as it was the loneliness of the place and the wild stories connected with it had their effect upon his mind on reaching the lower end of the lane they found themselves near the shore of the sound in a kind of amphitheatre surrounded by forest tree the area had once been a grass plot but was now shagged with briars and rank weeds at one end and just on the river bank was a ruined building little better than a heap of rubbish with a stack of chimneys rising like a solitary tower out of the centre the current of the sound rushed along just below it with wildly grown trees drooping their branches into its waves wolfert had not a doubt that this was the haunted house of father redcap and called to mind the story of peachy praw the evening was approaching and the light falling dubiously among these places 
give a melancholy tone to the scene well calculated to foster any lurking feeling of awe or superstition the night-hawk wheeling about in the highest regions of the air emitted his peevish boding cry the woodpecker gave a lonely tap now and then on some hollow tree and the firebird footnote orchard oriole and a footnote as he streamed by them with his deep red plumage seemed like some genius flitting about this region of mystery they now came to an enclosure that had once been a garden it extended along the foot of a rocky ridge but was little better than a wilderness of weeds with here and there a matted rose-bush or a peach or plum-tree grown wild and ragged and covered with moss at the lower end of the garden they passed a kind of vault in the side of the bank facing the water it had the look of a root-house the door though decayed was still strong and appeared to have been recently patched up wolfert pushed it open and gave a harsh grating upon its hinges and striking against something like a box a rattling sound ensued and a skull rolled on the floor wolfert drew back shuddering but was reassured on being informed by sam that this was a family vault belonging to one of the old dutch families that owned this estate an assertion which is corroborated by the sight of coffins of various sizes piled within sam had been familiar with all these scenes when a boy and now knew that he could not be far from the place of which they were in quest they now made their way to the water's edge scrambling along ledges of rocks and having often to hold by shrubs and grapevines to avoid slipping into the deep and hurried stream at length they came to a small cove or rather indent of the shore it was protected by steep rocks and overshadowed by a thick copse of oaks and chestnuts so as to be sheltered and almost concealed the beach sloped gradually within the cove but the current swept deep and black and rapid along its jutting points sam paused raised his remnant of a hat and scratched his grizzled paw for a moment as he regarded this nook then suddenly clapping his hands he stepped exultingly forward and pointing to a large iron ring stapled firmly in the rock just where a broad shelf of stone furnished a commodious landing-place it was the very spot where the red caps had landed years had changed the more perishable features of the scene but rock and iron yield slowly to the influence of time on looking more narrowly wolfert remarked three crosses cut in the rock just above the ring which had no doubt some mysterious signification old sam now readily recognized the overhanging rock under which his skiff had been sheltered during the thunder gust to follow up the course which the midnight gang had taken however was a harder task his mind had been so much taken up on that fateful occasion by the persons of the drama as to pay but little attention to the scenes and places looked different by night and day after wandering about for some time however they came to an opening among the trees which sam thought resembled the place there was a ledge of rock of moderate height like a wall on one side which sam thought might be the very ridge from which he overlooked the diggers wolfert examined it narrowly and at length described three crosses similar to those above the iron ring cut deeply into the face of the rock but nearly obliterated by the moss that had grown on them his heart leaped with joy for he doubted not but they were the private marks of the buccaneers to denote the places where their treasure lay buried 
all now that remained was to ascertain the precise spot for otherwise he might dig at random without coming upon the spoil and he has already had enough of such profitless labor here however sam was perfectly at a loss and indeed perplexed him by a variety of opinions for his recollections were all confused sometimes he declared it must have been at the foot of a mulberry tree hard by then it was just beside a great white stone then it must have been under a small green knoll a short distance from the ledge of rock until at length wolfert became as bewildered as himself the shadows of evening were now spreading themselves over the woods and rock and tree began to mingle together it was evidently too late to attempt anything farther at present and indeed wolfert had come unprepared with implements to prosecute his researches satisfied therefore with having ascertained the place he took note of all of its landmarks that he might recognize it again and set out on his return homeward resolved to prosecute this golden enterprise without delay the leading anxiety which had hitherto absorbed every feeling being now in some measure appeased fancy began to wander and to conjure up a thousand shapes and chimeras as he returned through this haunted region pirates hanging in chains seemed to swing on every tree and he almost expected to see some spanish don with his throat cut from ear to ear rising slowly out of the ground and shaking the ghost of a money bag their way back lay through the desolate garden and wolfert's nerves had arrived at so sensitive a state that the flitting of a bird the rustling of a leaf or the falling of a nut was enough to startle him as they entered the confines of the garden they caught sight of a figure at a distance advancing slowly up one of the walks and bending under the weight of a burden they paused and regarded him attentively he wore what appeared to be a woolen cap and still more alarming of a most sanguinary red the figure moved slowly on ascended the bank and stopped at the very door of the sepulchral vault just before entering he looked around what was the horror of wolfert when he recognized the grisly visage of the drowned buccaneer he uttered an ejaculation of horror the figure slowly raised his iron fist and shook it with a terrible menace wolfert did not pause to see more but hurried off as fast as his legs could carry him nor was sam slow in following at his heels having all his ancient terrors revived away then did they scramble through bush and brake horribly frightened at every bramble that tagged at their skirts nor did they pause to breathe until they had blundered their way through this perilous wood and had fairly reached the high road to the city several days elapsed before wolfert could summon courage enough to prosecute the enterprise so much had he been dismayed by the apparition or the living dead of the grisly buccaneer in the meantime what a conflict of mind did he suffer he neglected all his concerns was moody and restless all day lost his appetite wandered in his thoughts and words and committed a thousand blunders his rest was broken and when he fell asleep the nightmare in shape of a huge money-bag sat squatted upon his breast he babbled about incalculable sums fancied himself engaged in money-digging threw the bedclothes right and left and the idea that he was shoveling among the dirt groped under the bed in quest of the treasure and lugged forth as he supposed an inestimable pot of gold dame weber and her daughter were in despair at what they conceived the returning touch of insanity there are two family oracles 
one or other of which dutch housewives consult in all cases of great doubt and perplexity the dominie and the doctor in the present instance they repaired to the doctor there was at that time a little dark mouldy man of medicine famous among the old wives of the manhattoes for his skill not only in the healing art but in all matters of strange and mysterious nature his name was dr nipperhausen but he was more commonly known by the appellation of the high german doctor footnote the same no doubt of whom mention is made in the history of dolph heiliger End of footnote. to him did the poor women repair for counsel and assistance touching the mental vagaries of wolfert weber they found the doctor seated in his little study clad in his dark camblet robe of knowledge with his black velvet cap after the manner of borhave von helmont and other medical sages a pair of green spectacles set in black horn upon his club nose and poring over a german folio that seemed to reflect back the darkness of his physiognomy the doctor listened to their statement of the symptoms of wolfert's malady with profound attention but when they came to mention his raving about buried money the little man pricked up his ears alas poor women they little knew the aid they had called in dr nipperhausen had been half his life engaged in seeking the shortcuts to fortune in quest of which so many a long lifetime is wasted he had passed some years of his youth in the hearts mountains of germany and had derived much valuable instruction from the miners touching the mode of seeking treasure buried in the earth he had prosecuted his studies also under a travelling sage who united all the mysteries of medicine with magic and legardemain his mind therefore had become stored with all kinds of mystic lore he had dabbled a little in astrology alchemy and divination knew how to detect stolen money and to tell where springs of water lay hidden in a word by the dark nature of his knowledge he had acquired the name of the high german doctor which is pretty nearly equivalent to that of necromancer the doctor had often heard rumors of treasure being buried in various parts of the island and had long been anxious to get on the traces of it no sooner were wolfert's waking and sleeping vagaries confided to him he beheld in them the confirmed symptoms of a case of money digging and lost no time in probing it to the bottom wolfert had long been sorely depressed in mind by the golden secret and as a family physician as a kind of father confessor he was glad of the opportunity of unburdening himself so far from curing the doctor caught the malady from his patient the circumstances unfolded to him awakened all his cupidity he had not a doubt of money being buried somewhere in the neighborhood of the mysterious crosses and offered to join wolfert in the search he informed him that much secrecy and caution must be observed in enterprises of the kind the money is only to be digged for at night the certain forms and ceremonies the burning of drugs the repeating of mystic words and above all that the seekers must be provided with a divining rod which had the wonderful property of pointing to the very spot on the surface of the earth under which treasure lay hidden as the doctor had given much of his mind to these matters he charged himself with all the necessary preparations and as the quarter of the moon was propitious he undertook to have the divining rod ready by a certain night footnote the following note was found appended to this paper in the handwriting of mr knickerbocker there has been much written against the divining rod 
by those light minds who are ever ready to scoff at the mysteries of nature but i fully join with dr knipperhausen in giving it my faith i shall not insist upon its efficacy in discovering the concealment of stolen goods the boundary stones of fields the traces of robbers and murderers or even the existence of subterraneous springs and streams of water albeit i think these properties not easily to be discredited but of its potency in discovering vein of precious metal and hidden sums of money and jewels i have not the least doubt some said that the rod turned only in the hands of persons who had been born in particular months of the year hence astrologers had recourse to planetary influence when they would procure a talisman others declared that the properties of the rod were either an effect of chance or the fraud of the holder or the work of the devil thus saith the reverend father gaspard schott in his treatise on magic propter hoc et similia argumenta audacitur ego pronuncio vim conversum virgulis beficartus neguquam naturalism esse sed vel casa vel fraude virgulam tractantus vel op diaboli etc georgius agricola also was of opinion that it was a mere delusion of the devil to inveigle the avaricious and unwary into his clutches and in his treatise de re metallica lays particular stress on the mysterious words pronounced by those persons who employ the divining rod during his time but i make not a doubt that the divining rod is one of those secrets of natural magic the mystery of which is to be explained by the sympathies existing between physical things operated upon by the planets and rendered efficacious by the strong faith of the individual let the divining rod be properly gathered at the proper time of the moon cut into the proper form used with the necessary ceremonies and with a perfect faith in its efficacy and i can confidently recommend it to my fellow-citizens as an infallible means of discovering the various places on the island of the manhattoes where treasure hath been buried in the olden times. D.K. End of footnote. Wolfert's heart leaped with joy in having met with so learned and able a coadjutor. Everything went on secretly but swimmingly. The doctor had many consultations with his patient, and the good women of the household lauded the comforting effect of his visits. In the meantime, the wonderful divining rod, that great key to nature's secrets, was duly prepared. The doctor had thumbed over all his books of knowledge for the occasion, and Mud Sam was engaged to take them in his skiff to the scene of enterprise, to work with spade and pickaxe in unearthing the treasure, and to freight his bark with the weighty spoils they were certain of finding. End of chapter 37 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida